to the Public Safety Innovators Podcast. Connecting you with experts and trendsetters who are leading innovation in law enforcement, private security, and personal protection. And now, your host, Adam Wills. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 9 of the Public Safety Innovators podcast. This is going to be part 2 of my conversation with Adam Kinnikin from the Tactical Breakdown podcast and the creator of the Islet Summit. Now, if you haven't already listened to episode 8, which was part 1 of this conversation and interview, then please go back and listen to that episode first. Otherwise, Let's just go ahead and dive right back into my conversation with Adam Kinnikin. So what's what else is going on, man? I mean, we've been we've been, we kind of <laughs> found the rabbit hole in a few different things. Oh, rabbit holes are good. Yeah, anybody listening to the tactical breakdown right now knows how fond I am of rabbit holes. It's kind of it's kind of our thing. All right, let's go down one. What what part of Canada do you do you live in? I'm in southern Manitoba. So it's a it's a small town okay. called Winkler, uh, about 10,000 well, 12,000 people. Um we're about 5 minutes north of the North Dakota border. So okay. yeah, we yeah, we moved down here from Winnipeg. We were in Winnipeg the last 5 years just with with everything going on. I have a I have a very large small family. I that made no sense. I have I have four kids under 4. <laughs> So we have a, a large family and uh, just needed some space. So the big city, we just gotten it. We just had our fourth last week and uh, we've got four under the age of six now. So not far off from where you're at. Well, yeah, and absolutely. And congratulations to you. I know I, uh, I sent that to you before, but Thanks. congratulations. And that's exciting. And I hope mama's doing well. That's, I think that's one of the more interesting things about these podcasts, about these discussions there's human beings behind the microphone. I know we talk a lot about training. We talk a lot about what should or shouldn't be being done in law enforcement and, and this industry as a whole. But at the end of the day, I mean, I love having conversations with guys about like, Hey man, what's going on with, with you and your family? You know, how are things? Because let me give you a more context on that. I had a discussion with a team member of mine. I have people that work with me that are in, they're in Spain, in Bosnia, all around the U S all around Canada and Australia. And so we really have a global team working on this. And I was trying to explain to to one of my team members, when we talk about reaching out to either podcasts to get on podcasts or instructors or speakers for events, I was like, our means of communication and method of communication is a little bit different. If you've been in the military or in law enforcement, we kind of tend to cut straight to the point. Um, it was funny because she sent me out a template to reach out to people uh, for speaking engagements. And there was a lot of, I use the word fluff. There's a lot of fluff in there, like a lot of words that just didn't need to be there. Like, oh, he'd be really excited to have you on the show. Da, 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 da. And I was like, you can really cut all that out there. Like really just be like, hey, Adam, this is our show. Love to have you on. Let me know if you're available. Talk soon. 
<laughs> like, like <laughs> just cut and dry, like get to the fucking point. Sorry, I don't know if we can swear on your podcast, but I swear on mine. Um, I don't care. Get to the point and, and respect the other person's time, right? It's like, I don't need all the filler. Just give me what you need. If I can facilitate, I'll do it. If I can't, I can't. I'll let you know. And there's no hard feelings either way, right? It's just the way we're we're wired, right? I ask, I yeah. get, or I don't get, I move on. And it's funny because it stands in the face of the way business is usually conducted. So it's it's really fun to be in our industry because we have that flexibility where if we're reaching out to somebody, it's like, hey, man, this is what I need. Are you good to go or not? And it's either a yes or no. And it's not like we take it personal. It's like, cool, man, no problem. I'll reach out to you later. And you never give it a second thought. I think that's something that's so special that we have. And so everybody listening to this, I think that's one of the things that I always try to to share every time we do our podcast, every time we do events, is the collaboration within the industry. And now, obviously, you know, you and I being on these platforms have the ability to collaborate with people around the world and bring in experts and knowledge from everywhere and share those with people. But on an individual instructor level, I think the biggest misnomer for people is saying, well, I work in the small agency and I'm an instructor and I'm like by myself. How am I supposed to get guys like Dave Grossman to speak about this or get their information or guys like Tony Blauer or a Scott Savage? How do I get them? And I'm going to let everybody know here a little secret about how we do it. And it's it's revolutionary. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, what? I don't believe you. And here it is. Pick up the phone and there's the little numbers on it and they go one through nine. And if you press them in the right order and press send on the other end, the other person will pick up and actually you can talk to them on the phone. That's the trick. Mm-hmm. There's really nothing that I haven't been able to do by literally picking up the phone and just talking to somebody. Hey, Scott, this is so-and-so from department in Southern Arizona. I have a question for you about this training. And I'll tell you right now what Scott will do will be like, yeah, man, what, what can I help you with? Like, yeah, that's the thing that I think people don't realize is that this is a brotherhood or sisterhood. It's a community of people that really just are passionate about sharing knowledge and information that's going to save people's lives. And it doesn't matter how big their name is, how many followers they have, how many books they've published or how much they get paid. At the end of the day, it's about delivering training content that's going to help somebody. And very, very, very rarely will you find somebody that refuses to just help you out and give you information. I haven't found it yet. I don't know if you have, but that's been my experience is pick up the phone, send an email, whatever it is, reach out to people and ask. Or you know what? Listen, if you're listening to this right now and you have any questions about training, send them to me. Send adam at ilet.network. Send it to me and say, hey, Adam, I have a question about this type of training. I will pass you off to whatever resource I have and facilitate that communication for you. And the reason being is because we need to get better training out there. And the only way to do that is to talk to each other. And it doesn't matter where you are in the country. If you're in a different country, it's all about communication. And if there's one thing that I want people listening to this podcast, whether it's on the Tactical Breakdown or it's on your podcast, I want them to remember that this open communication and collaboration is really what's going to change the way we do training moving forward. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, there's something to be said for that because you, 
like you said, we're all very direct. That's just kind of our personality type. Some would say type A, right? And I like to summarize that by saying your vibe attracts your tribe, right? And so the way you communicate is going to attract like-minded people. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I actually get that quite a bit because my, my main business is not this podcast. Maybe at some point it will pay some bills, but right now it doesn't. My main business is actually as a, a marketing strategist. And so I work with and coach businesses in their marketing strategy. And then I help them apply that marketing strategy and, and marketing messaging uh, that we come up with to their websites and sales funnels. And specifically, I work with companies that are in the public safety, private security space. And the interesting thing is when I first started doing that full-time, because it was actually a business that I used to do even on the side uh, when I was still in law enforcement. When I started doing this full-time, I was kind of a generalist. I would just work with you know whoever, right? If there was a client that needed my services and would pay me money, I would work for them. And as things moved forward, I started to focus on that niche of public safety and private security. And as I did, my vibe attracted my tribe. And I had people that would tell me, well, you know, we've worked with all these other people and could never get what we needed. And, and, you know, they would flat out just say, oh, they're all a bunch of snowflakes. Uh, <laughs> and unfortunately in the marketing industry, there's, there, there is a lot of that. Uh, but people were like, well, you understand what we're trying to do. You understand what we're trying to say and how to communicate it and who to communicate it to. And you're absolutely right. You know, it's, it's, uh, your vibe attracts your tribe. And when you just are genuine and you communicate with people in a genuine manner, you're going to find that people are pretty open and pretty interested in helping, helping each other. Yeah. I mean, this, and this goes into a conversation about whether you're active duty or you're transitioning or you're a veteran member, whether it's law enforcement or the military, there's a conversation to be had about what skill sets do you have? Because a lot of guys and girls are out there that are like, especially right now, like, Ugh, should I get out of this? Should I ditch the uniform? Should I go into the private sector and, and do something different right now? Because right now my job sucks. And so that's a conversation I have a lot. And you're 1000% correct on a, everything that you said. And the other thing that I would add to that is as an individual officer, even if you've only been on for a year, two years, five years, you have skill sets that set you apart from the vast majority of the population. Absolutely. And so, and I don't want to just sit here and pump people's tires, but every single person listening to this has skills that are applicable in business. And, yep. you know, there's a reason why the vast majority of Fortune 500 companies have veterans as C-level executives. It's because we know how to lead. We know how to get shit done. Like you had said, give me a target, give me something to reach and I'll get there for you, right? Give me the freedom to accomplish my task and I'll get you there. That's really what sets us apart. Law enforcement officers are some of the best problem solvers in the world, right? And I don't think we give ourselves enough credit in this industry to say, how would I apply the skill set in something else? There's obviously very simple and, and direct correlations between law enforcement and the private security field, right? And you and I, I mean, that's, that's kind of bread and butter for us. We know a lot about that. But there's a lot of people that 
don't realize that just because you were in law enforcement doesn't mean you don't have skills in a completely different industry. And like you had said, it's it's about your mindset. It's about your attitude, your behaviors, the way you process information and your ability to get to a result without having to jump through 20,000 hoops to get there, right? It's usually, if I get to a call, it's how do I resolve this as fast as possible so I could either move on to the next or I can get to my break or whatever it is. That's a skill set that a lot of people don't have. And so mm-hmm. letting people understand that when you're talking about transitioning to the, the private sector or starting a business or doing something different, man, you got such a leg up on other people. I don't think a lot of people understand. Yeah, it's very true. And I can say that I, in fact, did not fully realize that even until after I was out of law enforcement. I didn't give myself enough credit for that because when I left law enforcement after having been in it for nearly 15 years, you know, I thought to myself, well, how are my skills in law enforcement going to apply right now? I, I just happened to have this uh, business on the side, if you will. I started building websites back in the, the late 90s and kind of kept it as a hobby for a while, picked it back up uh, in recent years. And then, so there was, there was that obvious transition for me, but it took me a good year before I was able to respond to this one question that people would ask me. I would have these new clients or, or potential clients, whatever. And they would ask me, they're like, oh, wait, so you went from law enforcement to doing marketing strategy? Like, how, how did you do that? And it took me a while. I innately understood that, hey, I know this stuff and I can do it well. But explaining that to people was difficult for me. And then it, it just dawned on me one day and why I'm good as a copywriter and a marketer. Because in my law enforcement career, I was a wordsmith. So when I was, when I was working the street, I'd write a killer report. You know, I could write a good report, a good affidavit, because my purpose in that report, in that affidavit, was to be a persuasive writer. I was trying to persuade the district attorney to prosecute my case. I was trying to persuade the would-be defense attorney to not take it to trial, right? And then when I became an administrator, I was writing press releases and I was working with the media and I was doing persuasive writing. And so that was, that was kind of the, the trigger point for me. And I said to people, you know what, that's why I'm able to do this now coming from where I was, because I have a background of 15 years of experience as a persuasive writer. And, and that does correlate. And there's so many other examples that you can go off of, just like you said, I mean, there's just so many things. There's so many skill sets because way back earlier in the show, you had mentioned how there's not another profession in the world that demands as much from people as law enforcement does. I mean, you have to have such a broad array of skill sets and those skill sets apply in the private sector in so many different ways. And I guess we could call it a shameless plug, but it's not intended to be really. I want to help anybody that's out there listening to the show, because there are so many law enforcement officers that leave their career, even in good years, unlike 2020, that leave their law enforcement career to pursue a business, whether that's in consulting and coaching based upon a skill that they trained and instructed people on in their law enforcement career, or just starting their own business, doing things like what I'm doing, or making some really killer coffee or you know whatever it may be. It could be a scary process and, and it's hard. 
it's hard to know what your first step is and what the next step is after that because working in the government sector versus being on your own and starting your business, they're very different and it can feel scary. And I've been through that process. And really my heart is, I just want to help people overcome that because I love cops. I love the career. And I think that there truly is a life after law enforcement. And I learned a lot of things that I didn't do right in my first year of business, but I also learned a lot of things that I I did do right in that if I could replicate, I would. I was able to go from nothing to a six-figure business in a year. And I would love to help anybody else that is in that phase right now where they're thinking, maybe it's time for me to go. And I've always had this business idea in the back of my mind. And how do I pursue it? You know, Even if it's just a, a quick phone call to give some free advice or an email or whatever, I would love to be able to do that for people. And you guys can just email me at adam at psi.chat. That's the, the podcast email, adam at psi.chat. And we can connect there. And I'd, I'd love to help you out. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, regardless of what podcast you're listening to this on, all these links will be in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll put that we'll put that in there once uh so that we'll, we'll see who's more thorough. <laughs> <laughs> my my show notes is just gonna be like one link. Uh yeah, go go here. <laughs> uh okay, yeah, now it's a competition. Who could have the most minimalized show notes for the episode? Yeah, no, I, I think that's fantastic. I love that resource. I don't do a ton of business consulting on my end for the simple fact that I'm still in the process of figuring that all that out too, right? What I would say from my perspective on this is find something that you have a passion for. And that's that really has to be it. I had a discussion yesterday. It was all about issues that I've had with building this out from start to finish with the summits, with the podcast and everything. If I've ever had any hard times doing it. And and yeah, like there was a lot of months where it was it was tough to make ends meet. But at the end of the day, I was so passionate about what I was doing that I was like, I'm just going to make this work. And what you had said about like your vibe attracts your tribe, it's kind of the same thing when you're building your business. If you show passion in what you're doing, people pick up on that. When you have that phone call yeah. with somebody, they pick up on that passion in your voice that you're excited about having that conversation with them and then it gets them excited and you could break this down into sales tactics and stuff, but sales tactics are based off of psychology, right? Yes, they are. It's just about how do I convey that raw emotion to somebody and everybody listening to this took training on how to communicate and what I say isn't nearly as important as how I say it. So if I convey that excitement, if I convey that passion about what I'm talking about, what I'm getting involved with, what I'm building, people are like, yeah, man, that that sounds awesome. Like, how, how do I help? How do I get involved? And again, going back to this whole community of that we're in, in law enforcement, in military, in emergency response, this truly is a community. Heck yeah, it is. And aside from one or two outliers, everybody is so freaking supportive. Everybody I know is like, what can I do to help? And you know what? I'm no different. If you guys listening to this reach out to me, I'm no different. I'm happy to help you out in any way that I can. And it's because I'm passionate about what I do, which is 
making this industry better, making training better, helping out law enforcement and, and other emergency responders around the world. That's what I'm passionate about. And so for me, it's easy. And I know you're the same way. When we first talked, it was the same conversation. It's like we clicked right away because we're both just excited about what we're doing, right? It's like we're two dudes yeah. sitting in our houses, just recording a phone conversation, <laughs> not getting paid, like not getting anything out of this other than getting to have a conversation, but we're both passionate and excited about it. And you're drinking a beer right now. <laughs> you know what? I, I, we're, I, we're at about an hour and 15. I finished that about an hour and 10 minutes ago. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't go get another one, man. I would have paused the recording. <laughs> I did not prepare correctly. But that's what I would say, man. That's what I would add on to that. A, a thousand percent echo what you had said, but I would add that if you are going to branch out to do something, obviously, listen, don't go and jump into something if you're not you know, financially secure enough to like, you know, pay your mortgage and put food on the table. But at the same time, if you do have enough there, here's the thing. Fun fact, I started this while I was working full-time. I had two different jobs. I was working full-time and I started doing this podcast and this training and I did it as an add-on to what I was already doing, right? It didn't cost me anything. I bootstrapped it. I bargain basement hunted, bought things off of like Craigslist. Well, in Canada, we use like Kijiji and Facebook Marketplace. And the what? Yeah, it's it's like- Kijiji? Yeah, it's, it's like- it's like Craigslist. We also have Craigslist, but nobody uses Craigslist. <laughs> huh. But basically buying stuff as low as I could. And obviously, depending on what issue you're getting into, you may not. You, this may not even be applicable to you remotely. But for anybody listening to this who wants to start a podcast, like I started with less than $100 worth of equipment total, plus a laptop. That was it. Yeah. And that was yeah. pretty much my first 10 months worth of podcasting. And now, obviously, I've been able to advance it and get new, fancier equipment that just maybe makes you sound a little bit better. But at the end of the day, I may sound better, but really what people tune into is the, the content. They tune into what are we sharing? What knowledge are they getting out of this? Now, I know you and I had this discussion about like with the podcasting, if you have people that are listening to this and they miss some time or they go away and they come back and find you, they don't care that they were gone for three months, six months, a year. They're coming back because of the content. They're not coming back because you got a better mic and you sound better in their ears, right? And so that's, I think you can take that and extrapolate it to almost anything that we're talking about in any industry is that don't worry about trying to make things look pretty because you're not a specialist at making things look pretty. As an officer, you're not a specialist at making things look pretty. You're a specialist at getting things done and getting them done correctly. And that is really your strength, regardless of what industry you're looking at getting in. So don't don't worry about that. Worry about delivering what it is that you specialize in and everything else is going to follow from that. Yeah, absolutely. Can't agree more. And early on, when you have a smaller audience and not, not just for podcasting, but for anything, right, you can make a lot more mistakes. Because nobody's paying attention, right? <laughs> I mean, I've made a lot of mistakes myself that people now that come across either my podcast or whether it's my business, they they wouldn't have any idea the the mistakes I made because they weren't they weren't necessarily around for them, right? The audience grows over time. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's really interesting. I had a somebody reach out to me for the first time. They reached out to me and they sent me an email. They said, "I just listened to your podcast." And I got so much out of it that I just have to say, like, I'm, I'm excited to subscribe and I want to get in. I want to be involved with everything that you're doing. And I'm like, awesome, man. What, what episode did you listen to? 
It was the very first episode that I did. Oh. <laughs> so not like not like the first the first episode was like an intro to the podcast. It was like five minutes, but the actual first yeah. interview that I did with my buddy Grant, which it was really just it was kind of the same idea as this. I was like, I'm going to start a podcast. He's like, can I be your guest? I'm like, sure. <laughs> like, yeah. we talk. Why not? So fucking, whatever. <laughs> but we talked about just like dealing with stress at home, right? Did and at work and at home and, and dealing with stress. Yeah. He's like, I got so much out of that. And I personally hate that episode. I hate it because I'm now a perfectionist. So like, I'm like, Oh, the audio, like I can barely listen to it. You know, all <laughs> of the editing, just brutal. You know, it was just bad on all fronts from a production perspective. But what he cued in on was the information and what we were actually talking about. And again, that's the most important thing. So moving forward from that, I mean, I haven't really, really cared too much recently about how things sound. It's more about getting the content out. But especially now, since I got that email from him, my focus is 100% going to be on, can I just get the information out to people, right? So what if the audio sucks a little bit or it's different? It's all about getting the the information out there. And it's the same thing in training, right? It's about the quality of your training. It's not about how fancy you make your training look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to show up and you got to you got to do quality work. Hey, everybody, just me popping in here for a quick break. I want to thank you, first of all, for listening to the show. It's because of faithful listeners like you that we have now far exceeded over 4,000 downloads of the show and that we're able to bring in really awesome guests on the show. So I'd like to ask you to please share this show with your friends. And most importantly, please go and leave a review wherever it is that you listen to the Public Safety Innovators podcast. Those reviews help all of those different podcast directories, algorithms to display this show to other people like you that may be interested in listening to it. So please go ahead and head over to psi.chat forward slash review. And I've made it super easy there for you to leave a review on iTunes, Podchaser and Stitcher. So please head over to psi.chat forward slash review, and then let's go ahead and dive back into the show. So what do you got? What's coming up next in in your world? What do you got going on with the company and everything like that? I know I put you in touch there with uh, Yale. Um, Yale's awesome. Yep. She's going to be actually on our roundtable that we're running at the end of the month. We're doing a a instructor's roundtable that we do every month. It's a live broadcast. It's a live Q&A with four instructors. And this month, we're talking about using social media and the internet for law enforcement. And obviously, she's an expert. She used to be the director of social for the NYPD. We also have an investigator on there. We have officers that have their own personal accounts that are very, very popular and talking all about everything from having social media as an individual officer to utilizing social media for your agency to utilizing social media for investigations. It's going to be a really interesting talk. But yeah, I know I put Yale in touch with you there because a lot of what you do is also kind of works in with what what she's doing. So I, I was really, really excited to be able to do that. Yeah, it was kind of interesting as we actually talked a little bit about what it might look like outside of the podcast specifically, but to sort of partner in some ways. 
um, if the opportunity arises, because I, I have clients that ask me for help with social media all the time. And I hate social media and I'm terrible at it myself. And so it, quite frankly, I don't really do much with social media, uh, even for my business, because uh, most of my my work is referral based and I don't really go out seeking business via social media. So I'm terrible at it and I hate doing it. And I don't ever see myself uh, changing my mind about that. And so I told her, I said, you know, I'd love to have somebody to be able to help people out when I need to. And so we talked a little bit about that, but yeah, she's going to be on my podcast. Actually, I think, I think she'll be the episode after this one. I've got to refresh my memory on that, but really looking forward to that interview. I've got a, Honestly, I, it's been such a blessing starting this podcast. You know, when I dove into it, I was really kind of unsure. Um, I made the decision to do it, started putting all the, the groundwork together, uh, laying the foundation without really knowing whether or not I was even going to be able to find anybody to come on the show. <laughs> you know, I had a couple of ideas, but I hadn't really sought out those invitations yet. And, uh, the response has been overwhelming. Uh, in six episodes now, we've had over 4,000 downloads. You know, I've had guests that are reaching out to me. I think we're booked out right now through the end of November with interviews, two every week, uh, every Thursday. And so there's some really awesome things coming up that I'm really excited to share. And, you know, I, I just kind of want to let it let it go naturally where the audience takes it. That's that's one thing I'd like to start getting a little bit more feedback from the audience. I, 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 uh, I've had a little bit, but I think maybe that's one of the big struggles that every podcaster has is getting feedback from their audience. But, you know, I just want to, I want to put out good content for people that they're interested in that, uh, really my focus and goal is on encouraging people in law enforcement and probably more specifically those that are instructors or, or leaders in their law enforcement agency, as well as those in the private security sector to just think outside the box and try new things, hear about new ideas, and try to connect people uh, with those innovators that I have on the show. So I don't know, maybe down the road, I've thought about trying to come up with some sort of a a platform where I can connect those people together and foster some, some deeper communication about ideas, but that's down the road. And I don't, I don't really know. Like I said, I want to, I want to allow the audience to take the show naturally where it needs to go. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, a lot of that's going to come from, from your head too, right? It's what's, what's top of mind. Um, What I do is I like to reach out to people and if they're an expert in their space, I say, what's, what's on the top of your mind right now, man? Like, what do you want to talk about? And, um, and that's where we start the conversations and because it allows people to, to share what they're passionate about. And again, it seems to be a a pretty consistent theme about being passionate about what you're talking about. That's kind of one of the beautiful things about our podcast on our end, because we're dealing with instructors. So like, especially when we run a round table, it's funny. I'm like, okay, it's going to be three hours. They're like, Oh, three hours is a kind of a long time. And I'm like, you'd think that, but when you have five people that talk for a living, talk to like one topic like it goes by every single time we're done people are like oh that was that was three hours like i there's so much more i want to talk about and so it's funny because that's that's how it happens right you you have people that are in the same space as you in and they want to share that information 
I think you're queued up to, to have a lot of success with, with your podcast and I'm excited to be able to support you. Thank you. In, uh, in any way I can, man, I'm excited for you. I appreciate that. Why don't you uh, tell me what's going on with the, the islet set? Like you have big plans for next year to do this again, or you, uh, or is that, that a dead thing now? I hope yeah. not. I got too many plans. That's my problem. I got about 87 okay. irons in the fire. No. So here's the deal. So I, I, I didn't imagine you would just let it go. No. So here's the thing. Islet was a huge success. It was, it was a trial run to see if, if that model worked for getting information out. And it did. We had over 10,000 officers from 76 countries attend. So it was, it was awesome. That's really cool. And uh, one of the things that we rolled out was this partner program. So if you're listening to this right now and you're wondering how you're going to get training into your agency, one of the things that we did with the ILET Summit was we took all of the training content, the 70 plus hours of video training, we put it onto the platform and we're basically selling it to agencies at cost. So it's minimal dollars and I'm talking like a few dollars per officer and it's all up on the platform and uh, they're able to access it for that cost lifetime. So if they want their entire agency to jump on, it's just nice. a couple bucks an officer because that's what it costs to just put them on the platform itself to host it there. And uh, all that information is there for them. So that's that's kind of how things started post-event. And since then, obviously, we're planning to do ILET 2021. So we'll do the same kind of concept next year. But in the interim, we've had a lot of organizations reach out and ask, like, can you help us take our in-person conference that got shut down? And can you put that online? And one yeah. of the things that I specialize in is training development and, and building out those types of platforms. And so I was like, why not? Absolutely. Like, why not facilitate this for people that, that can't do it themselves? So we're actually going to be running a handful of events before I let next year. Like, I'm not going to break down every single one of them, but I'll give you an idea. So I'd mentioned ILFE, the International Association of Law Enforcement Firearms Instructors. Their conference is going to be ILFE online. That's taking place in the first week of December. So that's all about firearms training. There's going to be the National Emergency Responder Conference coming up at the end of November, which is going to be for any first responder. It's a two-day course, and it's going to be all about mental health and wellness for first responders. We are in the process of putting together the International Summit on Counter-Sex Trafficking. So this one came about because one of my buddies, Jeff Teagues, who's former Delta, came on and did a two and a half hour presentation on counter sex trafficking for the ILET summit. And that one got a ton of feedback. A lot of people wanted more information. So we ran a three hour round table with him and two other experts. And that was packed. And we had a whole bunch more feedback for that. And so we were like, why not put together a full summit on this? That's going to be rolled out probably in January, but it's going to have experts and instructors from the FBI, the DEA, U.S. Marshals, we have some AUSAs, the RCMP, Interpol, and uh, a few other agencies from around the world all talking about the same idea, which is counter-sex trafficking and how it's applicable for law enforcement, not only on investigations, but also for NGOs. We have a lot of NGOs that are going to be taking part, a lot of ex-special forces and a lot of ex-law enforcement officers that work for NGOs are going to be taking part. And that's going to be a really, really cool uh, event that we're putting together because no one's ever done one on counter-sex trafficking uh, in this yeah. in this format before. So there's going to be parts of that that are going to be restricted. So portions of that event are actually going to be locked off to law enforcement only. So we're going to have to vet your credentials and there's going to be some hoops to jump through to get access to it. 
and obviously that's because of the sensitivity of the content and because we'll have some undercover um, and people that are actively in doing investigations right now taking part. But so there's there's that event. And then we're doing one on tactical medicine. We're doing one on search and rescue. Uh, we're going to be doing one on drone tech later next year. And, and I mean, there's there's a handful more, um, but that's just kind of the ones that are coming up very soon. And yeah, essentially what we've put together is this platform where if if you have an agency and organization, then you don't know how to get your training online. We don't do it for everybody. Like it's not it's not like a company where it's like, we'll take anybody and, and run any event. That's not what we do. We specialize in law enforcement training and training for emergency responders because there are a lot of different considerations when it comes to getting that information out and accessible to active duty and through agencies and especially through like firewalls and having to go through chains of command to get speakers on and to all those types of things. So we we specialize in that space and it's really a one-on-one where I'll sit down and I'll talk to them like, what do you want to accomplish with this event? And if I can help them, I'll do it. And if I can't, then I'll pe- I'll point them in the direction of somebody that can. And that's kind of what this whole podcast and events have transitioned into is this ability for me to facilitate all of these training conferences year over year. So pretty excited to be able to do that. So did you did you have this idea for the summit prior to COVID or was this a brainchild of of the COVID circumstances <laughs> when you did this year's summit? It's obviously, that's, that's a great question. And the reason is because it was actually put together before COVID hit. And so yeah, okay. something that a lot of people don't realize, it was a lot of the feedback that we got was like, wow, you were able to put this together really fast because essentially what happened <laughs> when COVID hit was everybody had to transition and take their stuff and try to figure out how to put it online. Whereas what we had was this was something that we actually talked about in January, February with a, a lot of the instructors that you saw on the event. And um, I was like, I want to put something online and do it for free. And everyone's like, well, that's fucking crazy, but sure, we'll help you. And so <laughs> I started putting it together and everyone's like, this is never going to work. Like, everyone's like, this is never going to work, but we'll do it anyways. And then COVID hit and everyone's like, are you some type of profit? Like, <laughs> Oh, you know what? No, I think what we just discovered here is... Uh, who the mastermind behind the COVID conspiracy is. I think you're right. You, uh, you, I'm, I'm you have exactly the Chinese create COVID so you could have a successful summit. That is correct. That is one. <laughs> so it was, that's, I knew it. That's, it, it is funny that, that you, you bring that up, but that is what happened. We actually had that planned prior to COVID. And then when COVID hit, it was basically, well, I knew everybody was going to transition. So it was either shit or get off the pot, either hammer it out and do it before everybody else or wait and do it at a different time. And I'm not the kind of wait around person. I don't know if you can get that from our conversation here today. <laughs> but I don't uh, usually if I if I have an I if there's something that I'm like, I could probably accomplish that I'm just going to go after it and see what happens. And um, yeah, I'm I, was the very same lucky. Way. I was very lucky in the fact that I have such an amazing network of supporters of instructors of companies. I mean, I could go on literally for the next hour talking about the amazing organizations that I've worked with to to make that event happen. But at the end of the day, every single person that was a part of it did it for the same reason. And it's the same thing that we talked about at the beginning of this podcast was getting information out to officers that need it. And that is that is a passion that as instructors, we share about wanting to just get good information out to people. And that was that was the basis of what we did. We were able to raise a lot of money for Copline for officer mental health, over fifteen thousand dollars for Copline, and that's something that we're rolling into every event that we do. Is 
everything that's profit outside of operational costs is going to actually be donated. So I don't know if that's a fantastic business model for ongoing operations, but essentially what's going to happen is once we pay the cost of putting the actual summit together, everything else is going to be donated to a charity or an NGO that supports a given topic for, for whatever that event is. So for sex trafficking, obviously it's going to go to the NGOs. If we're talking mental health, it's going to go to mental health organizations and things like that. So yeah, that's awesome. It's just, again, it goes back to doing the right things for the right reasons and being passionate about what you do. And I found success with that personally and professionally. And um, that would be my suggestion for anybody who's thinking about doing the same type of thing. It's sort of a silver lining. And I suspected that this was something you had planned prior to COVID because when I first saw it advertised, I thought, man, that that had to have taken a lot of orchestration behind the scenes. Uh, I didn't suspect it was just one of those, oh, we'll cobble it together just because COVID hit. But that's kind of interesting to hear about, at least uh, for to, to know for certain that this uh, was something you had already in the works. But it's it's sort of a a positive silver lining of this whole COVID thing is that it's really made training so much more accessible to everybody. And I hope that doesn't change. I mean, I certainly want to get back to normal. Don't get me wrong. I'm ready for 2020 to be over and, and hopefully 2021 is, is better. But uh, I hope as far as the accessibility and availability of all this online training out there and the quality of it, the high, high quality of the training that's out there right now, I hate to see that go away. I don't want to see that change. I don't think it will. I think there's going to be some learning curves that happen over the next six to 12 months. We're basically working off of a hybrid model. So what we're going to be doing is, for example, you have a, an organization or a training company that is conducting training. There's never going to be a replacement for physical skills training for certain things. You right. can't replace it. I can't teach you firearms on a webinar, right? I, right. You've never, if, if you've never touched a firearm before, I can't teach you that online. I can't do it. But there are certain things that we can teach. So what we do is we really take a hybrid approach. Whatever we can utilize to do that distance learning type of training, we're going to find a way to do that and make it as good as humanly possible. Say, for example, we're doing firearms training. Who's to stop us from recording that training and showing it in context to people to watch? Maybe you can't actually get the hands-on training, but guess what? You can see the skills. You can watch the instructor walk and talk through the actual iteration on the range. And maybe you have the ability to jump on a call, a live call and do a Q&A with them and say, hey, listen, I just watched this set a week ago. And now I've tried it out. I took it to my range. Here's where I had issues. And they're able to troubleshoot that with you. So we're making it more accessible for people to get information and get access to instructors. Whether or not it's going to change the way training's done overall, I can't say. I don't know. All I know is that this has forced a lot of the technology to be enhanced to a way that actually makes learning a lot easier for the individual officer. And that's just a win. So as shitty as COVID-19 has been, it's it's forced a lot of innovation, especially on the technology side, which is going to be around for a long time. And I think that's a, uh, an actual benefit to, to what's happened. So do you, um, do you guys have plans to do, or maybe you're already doing this. I, I have to admit, I, I didn't partake in anything in the ILET Summit this year, but do you like do individual breakout sessions in that? Or, you know, what is the, what is the average online group size that you're, you're doing? 
Yeah. So for Islet, we didn't have breakouts per se. We did a few round tables during the event. We did one or two. And then afterwards, we did a, a handful on a certain topic. So we basically said, hey, if you attended this session on use of force, uh, for example, we did use of force on the Thursday during the event. So again, going back to, I mean, Jesus, Scott and Tony are getting a lot of press out of this podcast. Guys <laughs> like Scott, Tony, um, Chris Butler, Bill Lewinsky, Jason Civitano, the, all those guys that were doing use of force training on the actual summit, they all came together for a live call on the Thursday and we fielded calls for three hours. And that one probably could have gone for at least another three just based off of the the amount of people that joined up to ask questions. Um, and so we did that after the event as well. And it's really based off of the event. Um, some of them are going to have a lot more interactions. For example, the NERC conference that we're running in November is going to be actually more workshop-based. So there's a lot fewer instructors. Um, they're going to have it run a session. And then there, there's going to be workbooks associated that people are going to get. They can either download or get them mailed to them. And they do workbooks and then they work through them with the instructor. And it's more of a workshop program done online. There's those type of events that we're doing as well. So there's everything from pre-recorded sessions to interview-based sessions to hybrids to fireside chats to roundtables to breakout sessions. Really, when it comes to online training, the world's your oyster. You can almost do anything you need to. The trick is, and where our expertise really lies, is finding out what format best facilitates the training. What What is the best way to relay this information to the attendee so that they retain the information? And, and that's the, it doesn't matter what training you're talking about, whether it's in person, online, or whatever, that's the, the number one thing that we want is we want the retention of the actual knowledge. So being able to prioritize that when we build these training sessions out it's it's different every time, but it's different for a reason. Got it. Well, hey man, you want to try something here a little bit different? It's a complete change of uh, of course here for the show. But I uh, I did this on my last episode that I had, and it was a lot of fun. I have this deck of cards. It's called Pod Deck. I don't know if you've heard of it. Not a sponsor, by the way. But uh, <laughs> there's just like random questions in this deck of cards, and you like pull a card out and ask a question and it's kind of, it's kind of a good chuckle. And maybe we can spend a, a few minutes doing that before we uh, close things out here. Sure. Hit me with one or two. All right, let's do it. Okay. You have a hundred thousand dollars. You have to donate or create a charity. What do you do? <laughs> oh God. Okay. Well, a <laughs> hundred grand. Is that a hundred thousand American or a hundred thousand Canadian? Because if it's 100,000 American, that's 135,000 Canadian. Um, so if I'm, okay. if I'm opening it in Canada, I'm going to assume I have $135,000 now. Uh, there you go. That works. I would probably mimic something that was... So my buddy, Terrence Kosaker, who's out in BC, he was a former fire rescue, had his battles with PTSD and depression and suicide. Um, he started a foundation called Camp My Way. And what they do is it's a camp for first responders and veterans, and they can go themselves, they can bring their families, and it's basically a wilderness retreat. Uh, it gets them out of the city, gets them away from technology, gets them back to nature. They do a lot of like meditation and breathing exercises. And if you're not into that, you don't have to do it. You could literally go out there and just go fishing and hang out in the woods. But it's it's really that reality check of there's more to life than just what we're doing day to day. 
And um, I would probably take that money and do something very similar where I am because I love the concept. I love being outdoors. I know, you know, we had talked about this. I mean, I spent a lot of time with the Canadian military. I spent a lot of time outside in training exercises, whether we are camped out in the snow or anywhere. And so I love being out in the wilderness and um, I would take that and I would open up some type of foundation or, or camp uh, for first responders and veterans to, to be able to get away from everything. Man, that was a tough question to be asked on the spot. And that was a really good response. I don't know that I could have done that. I'm a veteran. I'm a veteran at this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just just being having questions sprung on you. Uh, yeah, that sure. <laughs> All right. So you said you want one more. Yeah, give me one more. All right. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? I'm gonna have to talk in context to what our audience is here in in law enforcement emergency response. One of my mentors in training is Brian Willis. Brian is a Ilita executive director. He's out of yep, Calgary. Yep. Uh, just he's probably he's a cool dude. He's the most humble person I've ever met in my life. Just an overall fantastic. I've never met somebody who said that like who said a bad word about him. And this is in law enforcement. So there's and so you can imagine. And he was one of the first persons ever to to put me through. Uh, it was actually a PPCT instructor course. And he said this to me in training and he said, well, he said it to the entire class and it's stuck with me ever since is that you're not here to show people what you can do. You're here to show them what they can do. Oh, that is good. That is something that I've taken with me with every single training course that I've ever done is that just because I'm the best at doing something, just because I can take somebody and flip them or manipulate them in some way or hurt them or control them or be faster in, in some training exercise, that doesn't mean anything. It's, it doesn't mean mm-hmm. it's about what I can show. It's what I can get them to do with their body um, so that they're able to perform that skill when they need to do it. And that's a, that's a learning curve for any new instructor. That's the biggest thing that you have to learn is because a lot of us get into training, especially if you're like in use of force. If you're a use of force instructor, you probably have a martial arts background. You've probably been in this kind of thing for a while and you can handle yourself fairly well. Otherwise you wouldn't be interested in being in that position. A lot of the times we get on there and we're like, yeah, this is this is how you do this and this is how you do that. That's great and all. And it's good that you can show competency in what you're teaching, but that's not what you're there to do. You're there to teach the student so that they're able to be proficient at that skill. For a piece of advice, I think the the one that's guided my career the most would be that. It's that you're not there to show them what you can do. You're there to show them what they can do. That's really good. I, I'm going to have to keep that one for myself. Brian, Brian Willis is a great guy. I've actually I've sat in on his training before. I want to say it was an undersheriff's conference that he came and spoke at here in Colorado one year. And he's he's phenomenal. Yeah, I'm so honored and, and lucky to to call him a friend and and to to have him as a mentor and as a resource when we put these kind of things together because uh he's definitely one of the best in the world, uh for sure. So Listen, man, I, this has been this has been a ton of fun. We've been going at this for almost two hours. Um, I know it's been great, and that's and that's what happens, right? You just start start talking and, and uh, type. We've, we've solved all the world problems. Listen, man, we're right now. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, whether they're listening to your show or my show, what's the what's the best place for them to get a hold of you? Absolutely. So you can go check out the website. It's psi.chat for public safety innovators, or you can email me at adam at psi.chat. And LinkedIn is where I spend most of my time on social media because, as I mentioned, I absolutely hate social media. So I really uh, 
don't spend a whole lot of time, at least from a business sense on Facebook or Twitter or anything like that. But you can find me on social media as Adam Wills, W-I-L-L-S. And I'd love to connect with people there. Awesome, brother. I love that. And yeah, for for us, it's it's a little weird because we're in the middle of transitioning to a whole new platform and website. If you're listening to the podcast and you want to get more on the podcast, the podcast website is thebreakdown.ca. Obviously, CA because we're up here in Canada. Uh, so thebreakdown.ca. And then all of this talk you've heard about summits and training and everything there, the resource link for that will be ilet.network. So ilet.network. Because what we're really doing is creating this network of training, of trainers, of organizations that's super passionate about training in this space. When this episode rolls out, you can check out that website. It's up there right now as like a in construction mode. But as soon as that gets rolled out, you'll be able to go there for all of the resources for all the events. There'll be a, an app that you can download to your phone that gets you access to all of the training and all the instructors. And uh, so there's going to be a lot of really cool stuff there. So I'm excited to be able to roll that out. Sweet. I'm looking forward to that, man. Listen, dude, this has been a ton of fun. I'm excited. We should definitely do this again. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really, really honored to, to have you on our show and, and to be able to be a part of your show uh, again. Yeah, likewise. This is just sharing knowledge and, and information and, and talking with uh, somebody else who shares your passion is always a, always a good time. So we'll have to do this again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on and thanks for, for joining me on my show. Right on, brother. We'll talk soon. All right. See you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out this episode of Public Safety Innovators Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please head over to my website at publicsafetyinnovatorspodcast.com or simply psi.chat where you can check out episode notes and other episodes from the show. While you're there, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or really anywhere else that you prefer to listen to podcasts. I would greatly appreciate if you could help other people find the show by leaving a review wherever it is that you prefer to listen to the show. I'd love to hear from you if you have feedback about the show, a suggestion on a guest, or maybe you're a public safety innovator yourself and would like to be a guest on the show. Please head over to my contact page on the website and you can submit that information there or just email me at adam at psi.chat. All right, I'll catch you on the next episode.